0: John McNichol, An Ode to 442 Football's Simplest and Finest Formation it's um one of the best covers in the football library 1299 pitch publishing uh, and it has a pull quote from Paddy Barkley, who also offers you a postscript isn't Paddy the greatest he is yeah
1: um I was put on to him by a friend and I sent him a text message and just said look is it okay to ask you a few questions um, he said, yeah, that's fine if you want to give me a call um, and we must have spoke on the phone for a, probably about an hour he's been around and he's covered a lot of football from a, a lot of different eras um so he's seen he's seen a lot um the changes and and everything and, and he, he was just really interesting when we finished the conversation he did say to me, if you need any help if you you know if you want to chat more you know where I am yep." Um, and I think when I wrote the Wimbledon chapter, um, I, I spoke to him briefly again uh, on a couple of things about Wimbledon and, and sort of got me back on my way again. So I'm eternally grateful to, to Paddy and, and obviously everyone else that's uh, that helped along the way.
0: Including Wayne Barton, his erstwhile partner in crime. Wayne has a book a year. His latest is on George Best.
1: That was who put, uh,
0: had put a me feeling... on to him. I a feeling... Um,
1: because, um, I, I, I managed to get in contact with Wayne about probably about two years ago and did a bit of writing for a couple of his Manchester United sites I, I sounded him out when I said I was thinking about writing a book um, he offered me a couple of words of uh, words of wisdom um, and then I asked him if he could speak to Paddy uh, if he wouldn't mind um, having a chat and give me his number and yeah, the rest sure. is history, so they say.
0: There are two things that come up in your chat. Um, one is that the end of four four two in England was the World Cup game against Germany in twenty ten. I think that's a very shrewd thing to say, but it battled on because Ferguson didn't leave United for another three seasons. So it was kind of it's like what happened in football in the nineties. It gradually the Premier League era phased in, and this kind of post Premier League era. With the Germans and the Catalan managers coming in, to obsess everything. Do you think we will ever see an Englishman manage a Premier League-winning team?
1: Maybe. Uh, uh, I'm sitting on the fence there a bit. I'd say yes, Um, but probably not for at least the next decade. Yeah. Because I mean, who who is there at the moment coming through? Um, Dean Smith who's a who's a english man you know Scott Parker will he get a bigger job than Fulham?
0: I think the english English managers are probably best suited to the championship. Mm. Watford will never hire an English manager. They've done it with Pearson. It doesn't work um so we're we're doomed to hire i mean Mourinho is free, but I think yeah. ugh, no, no The Pozzos traditionally go for someone who is less important than Gino. Gino's the number one. It was nice to see Watford mentioned uh, at the beginning of the Leicester City story, Leicester the most successful exponents of four four two under Ranieri. But you know how Man United lost the ninety two uh, first division? Didn't everyone else lose the twenty sixteen Premier League?
1: Yeah, I think so it was for for all for all Leicester's uh, I mean look you know you've, you've got to win football matches I think I think didn't they there was one one game they beat City 3-0 and Chelsea 3-0 so that you know they, they they did the business but what I what I found that year I thought a lot of the big teams just threw away lots of silly results normally you get a side like for example like Liverpool this year are, are having a bit of a having a bit of a nightmare in regards to performances. But in that season that Leicester did it, I think there was about five teams that all, you know, I mean, Chelsea completely capitulated um, after the year that Mourinho had won the league. They just completely downed tools. Man United were very hot and cold under Van Gaal. You know what say? Uh, Tottenham just slowly starting to build a bit of momentum under Pochettino, but were still sort of very much in transition. Arsenal were, you know, guaranteed a top four finish and, and that was about it still. So there wasn't really sort of a lot of competition.
0: Klopp was, was Klopp in then? Was he in Yeah, Yeah, was he, yeah, he, or, was he just taken he? over from Rodgers? So,
1: he, so he'd just taken over from Rodgers. So again, Liverpool were in transition. So it was a, you know, very fortunate season, I
0: guess, for, for Leicester. But look, look, you know, we can't take nothing away yeah, from yeah, them. Yeah. You've still got You've still
1: got to win football matches, but like you said, I think it was—you know—they won it. Hats off, and it was—it was a brilliant achievement. But um, a lot of a lot of the other teams lost a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have. Um, But you know, unfortunately, that was uh, that was unlucky for them and lucky for Ranieri.
0: And I, I thought it was horrible that Ranieri lost his job as soon as they left the Champions League.
1: Is that right? I mean yeah if yeah, I mean if you you know, if you guide a team to their first and only top level title in the in their hundred and forty odd year history and then six months later you crash out of the Champions League group stage for the first time in their history and you know, and I think there was about they would probably take in hindsight before a ball's kicked at the start of the season. Yeah, they and they sacked him, but I think there was a bit of a bit of cloak and dagger with that as well because I think I think his assistant Craig Shakespeare, because he took straight up over. Um, it was reported um, that he was sort of behind the sacking. Whether that's true or not, I don't
0: know. Ooh, but. No, I haven't heard that. Uh, I love this sentence in the book: the odds on Leicester lifting the Premier League title were longer that year than Elvis Presley being found alive and the Loch Ness monster. Being spotted, dilly ding, dilly dong, and it's nice to see uh, that story summarised very neatly in this book, an ode to four four two, uh, which Leicester player is represented on the cover? Vardy, um, I guess. Yeah, I guess so as well because it's a striker. But this, yeah, this book, it's a summary of modern football in the last fifty years, and it opens with Atletico Madrid, which is a real. Well, having you going through what four four two is. Uh, It opens with Atletico Madrid. Was that on purpose? I never really thought of whether to
1: be quite sporadic in how I was going to do the chapters or if I should do it fluently from early to latest. Um, And I think at the time of when I decided to do the book, I think it was at the time when Liverpool had just been knocked out by Atletico Madrid probably around that week.
0: Yeah, in the super spreader Um, event.
1: So So that, yeah, so they were sort of fresh on my mind, so it was probably a bit subliminal, you know, and when I was drafting the book, I literally just wrote down a list of teams, and then I, I just seemed to stick with that order. Um, so it, it's not a particular order, there's no re- rhyme or reason for it. it. It is just literally jumping from one era to another, um, which I then thought might not be a bad thing rather than doing it in a in a mm. timeline. Um, you You know sort of read a a modern bit then take you back and then read a modern bit and take you back
0: you can definitely Um, choose your own adventure with this book like an album I read it from cover to cover Uh, some chapters I paused more than others because I didn't know the story some of these stories are familiar I I paused on a couple of chapters I I know what Alex Ferguson did but it is shocking just to see it written down those three cycles as you call them and you summarise it as fast attacking football with with, which cycle was your favourite?
1: The first one. My favourite United team will always be uh, the ninety four team.
0: Yeah. I
1: just think that they had they had everything that I would if if I was to be a manager in the Premier League now. They had everything that I would want my team to be. They were they were strong, fast. Talented players. I mean, look—you you can't ignore the, the treble-winning 1999 team. Um, they were—they were obviously a special side. But I just—I just loved the—I just loved the, the the 94 team that won the double with, you know, Schmeichel in goal, Parker, Pallister, and Bruce, Dennis Irwin, Kanchelskis, and Geeks on the wings, who were just absolute lightning. Inson, a young Roy Keane, with. Eric Cantona and Mark Hughes. And I just think that that team, if, if they hadn't have had the free European foreign rule at the time, would, would definitely have gone on to probably win European honours. Mm. Um, I've got no doubt about that. It was just a shame that by the time the cycle had finished on that team was when they relaxed uh, the free foreigner rule. Um, so it's sort of, they never really got to show in Europe um, what they could do. I remember. I remember a year after we won the league and we played Barcelona in the new camp. And I think so that I think so that he could play Cantonari. He took Schmeichel out and yep. played Gary Walsh. Gary Walsh. They lost
0: four 0
1: Yeah. Um, and I just remember getting Haristo uh, Stoichkov and Romario just run absolute riot that night, yeah. and we got absolutely you know battered. But uh, again, um, it, it, it was at a time where. Italian teams, Spanish teams, 95% of their teams were Italian, like homegrown. So what their team was was pretty much what they were were playing with day in, day out. Whereas, obviously, in, in the 80s, especially the 80s, a lot of English teams were made up with home nations, which, unfortunately, they classed as foreign.
0: Which is um, ghastly because they did it by UEFA nations. No, that's... I think yeah. he wanted to... He explained to Schmeichel that he wanted to pick was it Giggs and Irwin or Hughes and Giggs? And he had to yeah, pick on.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean look, I'm not saying that Schmeichel would have would have stopped the four 0 we'll never know. But I mean that's when you talk about rule changes in football, and sort of brings us back to what we spoke about previously, scrapping apart from scrapping the back pass rule getting rid of the foreigner rule in Europe was probably the next best thing that they've ever done in football, I'd imagine.
0: Yeah. How many Europeans are going to be playing in this Uber League? Enough of that. Um, did you buy Come On You Reds? Uh, no. It's a great song. In fact, as you, as you <laughs> I, mentioned, 94, think, instantly in my head I went, think, Michael Parker. I apparently. think
1: I probably, record, I probably recorded it in my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, off the charts so I didn't have you know waited for the old DJ to stop talking press record and then just played it on repeat (laughs) for about two years
0: hey I don't Um, think Man City got to number one with Blue Moon I don't think oh Liverpool did get to number one famously they did get to number one with the Anfield rap Uh, no I think it was with uh, Ferry Aid I think Liverpool or or, or Ferry Cross the Mersey. there was there was yeah there was a Liverpool charity record Uh, to stay in the early 90s it is interesting seeing staying with the theme of the six the six i didn't realize that the 1990 to 91 team for arsenal were near invincibles they lost one game
1: yeah. they only lost to chelsea yeah
0: so were you ever persuaded to support arsenal or once you stuck with united in 1990 you stuck with them
1: no well my dad's from my dad's from Salford so um he's obviously brought up around it um and when I was when I was at sort of nursery school age I lived there myself for a couple of years so I've got some sort of heritage in the Manchester area so um I don't think that was ever going to be
0: out of the question that's no, that's great and the the entire listenership just went ah that's why um, <laughs> t- Ian Wright Thierry Henry um, I prefer Ian Wright and so do you.
1: Um, I actually went to a I went to a gentleman's evening and Paul Merson was there Ooh. and I asked him who I said who he thought was uh, the better player. Um I said you know d- despite Ian Wright playing in a what I would class a, a mediocre Arsenal team at the time they were more of sort of a cup team until the very end. Paul Merson said uh, Thierry Henry, definitely. Um, but I spoke to him very briefly after, and he just said, "Look, let's let's not you know let's not beat about the bush." He said, "Ian Wright scored a lot of goals in a, a, a mediocre Arsenal team, whereas Thierry Henry scored a lot of goals in an unbelievable Arsenal team."
0: Yeah. And Ian Wright has proven, after a bit of a difficult start in light entertainment, he should be held in really high esteem. He does match of the day. Um, He always does his pieces to camera in the car, and he's always talking sense. He's a great human being, Ian Wright. Uh, So good they named him three times. I I don't mind,
1: yeah, I don't mind Wrighty. Like I say, uh, he was part of the bit to make me fall in love, because obviously he scored a brace in the 1990 final for Palace. Mm -hmm. So he's sort of been there since day one for me, really. But no, he was was devastating, wasn't he? What what a centre-forward. Um, Um, And some of the goals he scored were phenomenal.
0: And he didn't really get going until he was 21, because as we know, there's a racism problem in English football, which also isn't going away. Just because they've come in with the money doesn't mean we should forget about the racism. There are two great things in this Arsenal chapter. One, Brian Leveson of Leveson Inquiry Repute acted for the FA in the George Graham Bung case, which I did not know. Um, uh-huh. because you quote the judgment in that case, and two you've written this book, which is an ode to four four two. can you just remind me what formation uh what formation did Arsenal play when they won the league against Liverpool in nineteen eighty
1: nine They actually started with a back three
0: isn't that interesting and George Graham started with a diff- i think three at the back in a cup final as well
1: yeah he yeah he um he, he basically said to the players about half an hour before kickoff at Anfield that tonight we're going to play as a back three with David O'Leary playing as a sweeper. He said, and as soon as we score our first goal, um, we'll switch back to 4-4-2 and get the second. And he basically told them exactly how it was going to play out,
0: and it did. Very, very smart chap. When I was going to Tottenham as a kid, George Graham was the manager and I don't remember much about the football he played, but it wasn't uninteresting and unentertaining. He had Sol Campbell, Teddy Sheringham. He had some very good players, George Graham. So we've had Fergie, we've had Arsenal. Um, it was crystal clear what Brian Clough wanted his players to do. Sean Dyche is a disciple of Clough, played under him very, very briefly in the early 90s. Do you think Sean Dyche is the heir to Brian Clough?
1: Um... I wouldn't if you'd have put the two next to each other and said was there a link, I'd have probably have said no. Um, he's probably the closest you'll get in regards to how he his mannerisms to the press, etc um, I suppose he's quite hard nosed with the players. I'm not sure about playing style. Um obviously I didn't watch a lot of I haven't seen a lot of footage of um sort of Forrest and Derby from the seventies and early eighties, but I'm not sure if... I mean, I might be wrong, but I'm not sure if they'd have played like Burnley. Maybe they would. I don't think there'll ever be another Brian Clough. That's, that's a dead cert.
0: Nope. Uh, and I'm sure Paddy Barkley... Well, Paddy Barkley is. There's a really great bit of um, chatter about that um, <laughs> with with swear words as well. Um, yeah. And that's... It's brilliant. Uh, the book, by the way, lest we forget, An ode to four four two Football's Simplest and Finest Formation. Has feedback been good? I know it's only been out a couple of weeks, but... Are you proud of the people oh, who've have, come yeah. back to you and said?
1: You know, extremely. I mean, uh, you know, apart from, you get a lot of ribbing from friends who bits and bobs and they didn't really think it was happening and, and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, look, it's there. It it's literally is in black and white, um, you know, but I've had a few people say um, they've enjoyed it. A few people have messaged on Twitter, a couple of nice comments on Amazon reviews. It seems to be going all right, um, but, you know, not everything's for everyone, is it? There's always going to be people out there that sort of say, "Well, it's not what I thought it was going to be." Yeah, sort of. Um,
0: and you can leave a review at The Wishy Man eighty. Uh, how surreal seeing your cover of your book on the back of World Soccer magazine.
1: Uh, it made my day the other day when I got told that. I mean, I was in I was in very good company, obviously. Yeah, it's it's whenever I see it out and about, it. it it sort of it, it does make me smile because um, it's it's out there in the human for human consumption now for, for yeah. the, the the end of time
0: so to speak. Yeah, you can read it as an ebook as well, but twelve ninety nine if you want to buy it. And it was Pitch Publishing, the best of football publishers, who have splashed out on the back page of World Soccer. That isn't cheap. So now I, that's how proud of your book they are. To yeah. advertise it on the back of a magazine, which is going to sell very well because it's a Champions League preview, blah, 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 Euro preview issue. Uh, and to um, finish or to come to an end, a quick quiz uh, based on your book, An to 442. <laughs> Whom did you describe as Sunday League, but with professionalism? Wimbledon. Wimbledon. I actually was quite endeared by obviously they're a horrible team. But it became endearing this story of a team who were playing in the amateur leagues and then won the FA Cup. Have you been to Plough Lane or to? Or do you want to go to I, Plough I, Lane?
1: It's quite funny. About about eighteen months ago, um, I had a, a contract at work, and a fellow wanted me to go and look at price up some some scaffolding. So he gave me the address, and when I got there, it was um, it was the the blocks listed, which I listed in the chapter. Bassett House
0: Bassett House, Lorry House and Batsford House all apartment blocks built on what was the old Plough Lane
1: that was it, yeah Um, and when I went there it was just all flats and then on the corner of the street they've got a plaque on the road and it's to the 1988 FA Cup final team but it's just a stone's throw away from the new ground because they've built behind the flats which were on the original stadium so it's literally backs onto it But I haven't obviously been there for a game. But I'd probably, I'd have to, at some point, go make the pilgrimage.
0: Yeah, you have to do this tour to promote this book. You can stand outside with a box of them, like you're selling (laughs) programmes. You could also go to Milan. Uh, The best chapter, I think it's anthology worthy, uh, which is the biggest compliment I can give. Is the best of the football library. Uh, Arrigo Sacchi and Fabio Capello. How many games unbeaten did AC Milan go?
1: I'm gonna go thirty-one,
0: fifty-eight, fifty-eight. Says that was in your it. Book. Yeah, cause it. Yeah, I was gonna. I was
1: trying to think. I couldn't remember if it was more or less than what Arsenal were going for. Uh-huh.
0: But
1: yeah, right. it was. It was some run. It was a year and a half or
0: I mean, whatever it was. It's not as good as this fact. I think this fact should be. I know AC Milan are one of the teams. Blah blah owned by a hedge fund. But Maldini and Baresi played almost 200 games together at centre-back. When they did so, how many goals did they concede?
1: It was 21.
0: Was oh, two goals out, 23 goals, which is sensational. It, yeah. Which is testament yeah. to just how good the attack was, but also how, how well-drilled Saki and Capello had them.
1: Well, they, when, they won, when they won the league, they won it with just drawing a lot of games because they didn't look, they didn't concede. So they might, not have, they might not have scored, but they didn't concede either. So as long as you beat your rivals, jobs yes. are good. And win at home and draw away, win the league.
0: There was, there was one thing that did make me a bit suspicious, and that is, of course, that Silvio Berlusconi bankrolled it, uh, who, who is a crook because he has been to jail. Can we enjoy Maldini and Beresi independently of the person who was paying? Barassi and Maldini.
1: Oh, of course, yeah. Um, you have to, don't you? Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of people don't realise that Paolo Maldini was actually a centre-half.
0: No, I didn't um, know that. He's a left-back, isn't he?
1: But ended up playing left-back, yeah. Um, mm. He was a centre-back when he started um, and ended up playing left-back. No, I didn't as,
0: know he, as, he,
1: as, he got, as he got older, yeah.
0: I also didn't know anything about the Marseille incident, and if I did, I'd blanked it out, the floodlights in my mind had gone off. But I didn't yeah, realise that the... Um, it, was, it,
1: was, it was very... Uh, uh, Sad. What they thought was corrupt, didn't they? And refused to, refused, refused to carry on playing. And they got a year's... They got a ban.
0: Yeah. I'm talking to James Dixon, who... Uh, I, I think he's on... I imagine he's on pitch as well. But the book The Fix has been written about the first Champions League season, which Marseille won and then it got taken away. Again, this it's it's not new. Ownership of elite football clubs has been rotten for many, many years. I suppose you would have you would never have booed Martin Edwards as a kid. It was never come on, Edwards, do something in the way that nowadays it's all Edward Wood's fault.
1: Manchester United hadn't hadn't been plunged eight hundred million pound in debt by Martin Edwards. He was he took it over from his from his farmer and just carried on running it. As a business, and then obviously they turned it into a PLC, which meant that people from the outside could could buy parts of it, and then eventually take over. Did you ever share? Um, no, I did. No, no, I was a bit young. Then I was a bit. I was a bit. Um, I think most of my money was probably spent um, in the local watering houses of Dover. Uh, of
0: course. No, my. I think I got it as a permits for present or an early birthday pre- It was a permits for present. Uh it was one share in Man United and I know that because Glazer bought my share. So I should oh, be should wow. hate yeah, I don't know how much it was worth when he bought it. And everyone has known about it. Everyone has known what the Glazers are doing. And yet now Alex you've seen what Alex Ferguson has said. The govern shipyard socialist does not like this Super League one bit.
1: No. Well he he's in good company with sort of three quarters of the rest of uh the world at the moment. Do you
0: know anyone who likes it?
1: No, I don't think I don't think there is anyone. In the, I think anyone that says they do is a liar and they're doing it for attention.
0: Hmm. Well, I've just remembered, Wrexham. Ryan Reynolds owns Wrexham. I hope they're hammering it. Yeah,
1: that's a bizarre... That's, that's, that's one of these really bizarre stories that comes around once every sort of decade in the football fraternity. Um, I'm not really sure what they're... Not really sure what they're sort of aiming to get out of that. Well, they make
0: films in Wales. They do a lot of... Hollywood is doing a lot of filming in North Wales, so maybe it's something to do with no that. Really. But I don't know. They're, apparently, they, they really love it, the people who have bought them. Is it Danny McElhone? They do love I've soccer. I've never heard
1: of I've never heard of the other fella.
0: I think he's a, um, a minor I'm, I'm, actor or a writer, I'm, but... Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm not a big film buff, so... Hmm. Um, unless they're sort of a superstar... Um, I wouldn't know. But, um, yeah, it just, it's just really bizarre, yeah. I mean, yeah. look, they're entitled to spend their money how and whenever they want. And if as long as they're doing it for the right reasons, um, it's not like I'm expecting they're going to be making millions of pounds out of Wrexham. Um, they haven't been in the football league for God knows how many years. Mm-hmm. So,
0: And again, well, they had to convince the fans to buy their share of the club. Mm, much like the Eisner's.
1: Yeah, I mean, I assume you just hope you just hope that they've got their best interests at heart because um, obviously, you know, there'll be there'll be diehard fans of Wrexham whose life is going to, um, you know, going to watch that team on a Saturday. Um, so the last thing they want to be doing is worrying that the club's going to be dragged through the mud and and they're going to end up falling on financial hardship. Really, because mm-hmm. it's, it's not not nice for anyone, is it?
0: Well, watch that story. The manager was called a dinosaur. You called the players workmanlike, beautiful, yet uninspiring. Which international team, who feature in this book an ode to 442, are being such described?
1: (laughs) That would be Brazil then, wouldn't it?
0: Brazil 94. So you were 14, 13, 14. You watched USA 94?
1: USA 94,
0: yeah. Your second World Cup. Was it more interesting than Italian 90?
1: It's different when you can watch football and enjoy it without the, the, the pressure as such. I mean, you know, when England are in a tournament, you're, you're watching the games and you're thinking, oh God, if we beat these, we're going to be playing these and oh now we need to win this next game and sort of it, it sort of bypasses you a little bit because you get caught up in the hype but I suppose 94 was just sit back, relax and Watch some of the best teams in the world play football. Um, I can't remember at the time Brazil being like the wow factor. Um, obviously, they had Romario, who was was absolutely ripping up trees at, at Barcelona. We, you can't really forget Babeto and the sort of the baby cradle dance, etc. But I can't remember them being. I can't remember them being. Uninspiring, as such mm-hmm. and it wasn 't until I'd started doing a bit of research um, for the book that you actually realized that they were getting a lot of flack back home, like the manager, the players, um, they were booing the style of football um, so i don 't think there was a lot of expectation on that team, maybe that 's why they did so well um, oh, could be because they thought maybe they thought the pressure was off. As such, I mean, I, I suppose Brazil are expected to win every tournament because of their Brazil. But um, it's been a long while um, from the teams of the seventies and early eighties where the Brazil teams have really wowed. I mean, the, the Ronaldo one of a, of a couple of years later of sort of ninety eight and two thousand and two they were hot and cold as well. They mm-hmm. weren't. They weren't brilliant in every single game, but they had really good players that could that could win it. At the, at the blink of a at score, at the blink of an eye, but I can't really remember them being amazing. But I can't remember them being dull either. Not to the extent of of, of what the sort of press were saying about
0: them. Yeah, they they just want to win gracefully. Uh, which player in the Brazilian squad is the father of Tiago and Rafinha? Oh, it's is Bebeto, isn't it? No, 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 Mazinho. Ah, uh, Mazinho.
1: Bebeto's son. Yes, he's a he must be about
0: he would be 26, oh, 27.
1: 26, yeah, he plays professional football now, doesn't
0: he? Oh, yeah. As well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can hear my discussion with Christopher Huland on football in South America, uh, where where the football library is. I've done over 100 of these. Uh, so you'd think I'd be OK at this by now. I do still stumble. <laughs> but, I mean, it's put into context when... And this is the final question, and the great thing about the football library, for which you do get your laminated library card with Brian Glanville's face on it. Lovely. So you and Brian Glanville have the same profession now. Oh, I don't mind that. I'd love to, I'd love to see Gran- Glanville sort out some contracts for a scaffolding <laughs> firm. I would love it. What I hope to do is pay a load of interns, school children, to access YouTube and Vimeo and find various bits... Uh, football coverage which brings me to this paragraph all five goals from Leeds win over Sheffield United in 1992 are of legend so much so that there were even claims of match fixing I don't think anyone had ever seen a game where all five goals were so farcical use your favourite search engine take a look it will be the best five minutes of your day well one thing John McNichol it isn't because I've just spoken to you for an hour how many own goals were there in that game
1: Oh, I'm going to say three.
0: Three. Just unbelievable. I, I wrote um, the Sheffield, Sheffield United own goal, ridiculous. And then I put a Cedilla. Both Sheffield United own goals, ridiculous. Uh, which do you like more? The one that sort of hits the defender and then goes in. The second own goal starts because the defender is heading it back to his own goal. And then, <laughs> then kicks it up in the air and mishits it. And the first one is your simple melee that just shouldn't come off the defender. And it will yeah. Yeah. It's,
1: it's it. be, be the defender trying to head it back towards his own goal and causing even more carnage.
0: Now, do you remember that fixture?
1: Uh, I don't remember it like, as live, obviously. When I did, um, I've got a few friends that are uh, Leeds fans and um, when I spoke about it, um, they advised me to... Take a, a look at it because, in their words as well, it, it'll be well worth five minutes of your time on on uh, on yeah. on, a, on a Google search engine, um, and they were not wrong. Um, you know, I've, I've never seen. I, I don't think there was one good goal out of the five, was there?
0: Um, no, because the Leeds is second. The keeper flapped at it, and Sheffield United's first wasn't great either. But yes, it does look very suspicious. Here's some breaking news. Um, I don't usually do breaking news on uh, the the Football Library radio show, but it's a big day, the 20th you of April. Don't need to be
1: sitting down. Of
0: April. Um, well, only if you care that Man City have withdrawn and Chelsea are preparing to do so.
1: Well, that was um, that was probably the most obvious thing ever, considering that neither of them are owned by Americans.
0: Yes, Pat Nevin, the great Pat Nevin, who has a book out next month not on pitch. I'm not even mildly surprised. It didn't look like Chelsea wanted to get on that train, but they didn't want to be left at the station. And also, Abramovich can't even enter the country. He wants to get rid of this club. Jim Ratcliffe wants to buy Chelsea, I think, still. Um, but yes, boo to Chelsea. So, I hope that the legacy of the football team that you've supported since you were a lad isn't besmirched by these venture vultures, the Glazers, um, because there is a great football club there. I've spent so many hours of my life watching Man United. My uh, great-uncle Geoffrey Fink has held a season ticket for about 80 years at the ground. Oh. Well, he went in the 40s. He's the oldest living, continuous season ticket supporter. And there is a great deal of... Uh, well, we haven't really discussed Liverpool and Everton, but Arsenal, Man United... Uh, and Liverpool all feature in this excellent book and kudos and muzzle tub for writing this I think if you are not a legacy fan this book will be full of great nuggets so wow. maybe a fab Christmas present for your football supporting son or daughter or non-binary child how old are your children now uh, my daughter
1: is 20 and my son is 14
0: aha uh-huh. and uh I'll try to skim to the acknowledgements so I can get their names. Are their names Coxie, Danny Boy and Reedy?
1: <laughs> no. My daughter's called Ronnie and my son is called Taylor.
0: Uh, Ronnie named after, of course, Ronnie Johnson.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah.
0: Good. And uh, was it Tommy Taylor who played for United in the 50s? So, yes, that's yeah, it, yeah. So you've done well there. Um, have they read it yet? I don't suppose my daughter
1: has. She She's been sent a copy. She lives in Wales, so she's been sent a copy that will probably sit on her mantelpiece for forever and ever. Amen. Um, my lad's, um, he's into gaming, so I'd imagine he's just probably sat on his bedside table, propping up uh, an empty glass. But I'd like to think when they get a bit older, they might flick through and, and
0: have a look. Yeah, it's an investment. It's, uh, they, they will exactly. turn to it. Maybe when the power is out and they can't look at the game, uh, they can look at an ode to 442 which is Football's Simplest and Finest Formation. There is a follow-up book about the Cavaliers who come to a football club and change the side. Is that coming out next year?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll hopefully. Um, I've spoke to pitch and hopefully we're looking at May next year. So, fingers crossed, keep your eyes peeled and we'll we'll get another one rolling.
0: Well, and you have an invitation, as everyone does, to return to the football library to plug the hell out of that book. But go and read an note to 442. It's available... Uh, through Pitch and through W. H. Smith and Waterstones and Foils, and uh, if you want to get a, an autograph copy, the Wishy Man 80. That's it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Come on, your Reds. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Just like the library. Just like the library. Just like the library.